0: Welcome to the Journal of the Southwest Radio podcast, a production of the University of Arizona Southwest Center in the College of Social and Behavioral Sciences. I'm Taylor Miller, and I recently completed my doctorate in the School of Geography, Development, and Environment at the University of Arizona. I'm currently a researcher with the Southwest Center, and I'm thrilled to chat with our guest today, Moses Thompson. Moses is the director of the School Garden Workshop, a program of the University of Arizona's College of Social and Behavioral Sciences which has immense local, regional, national, and even international impact. But to just call it a program is a massive understatement. From its mission, the School Garden Workshop is a collective action, and it's all about social justice and a more sustainable community. They connect students in public schools with Tucson's 4,000-year agricultural legacy by planting, maintaining, and engaging in school gardens. Using gardens is a dynamic educational tool. They help cultivate community, connect students with their local food system, and use gardens as STEM learning labs. Without further ado, hi, Moses, how are you? I'm so, so grateful we have, we have time to chat together today.
1: Yeah, so good. Thank you so much for making some time for me.
0: Absolutely. Do you think you could introduce yourself a bit to our audience?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, my name's Moses. Um, I grew up in Phoenix. Uh, left the state for a long time and then came back uh, to Tucson and I absolutely love Tucson. And um, just a series of perfect storms kind of unfolded to bring me where I am today. Um, my background in formal training is in school counseling. Um, and so that was kind of my entry point to school gardens. I think as a school counselor looking for um, a way to better connect with the students in the community that I was working in um and maybe a more disarming way to do counseling um stumbled on on gardening and um happened to be at a school where it was embraced by the leadership and was embraced by the neighborhood and the community and the teachers and really took off and then in 2012 partnered with the university um To kind of bring our two worlds together. So the Tucson Unified School District world um, and University of Arizona uh, student engagement world. And so, yeah, just feel super lucky to be where I'm at uh, doing what I love. I feel like, yeah, I'm a very lucky person.
0: (gasps) Incredible. I know. I do have a tiny bit of envy for your role. It's it's pretty remarkable, um, and I'm hoping today that we can spend that bit of time talking, you know, about some of the the nuts and bolts of the school garden workshop. So, do you think you could provide a little bit of background of the program? I you, you mentioned in 2012, moving forward uh, that began your partnership. Um, but you know, for those unfamiliar with the school garden workshop, maybe you can give us a bit of a primer first.
1: Yeah, of course. Um so there were basically like two different things kind of evolving, um, separately. And then we kind of came together in 2012. And so, um, I stumbled into school gardens as a school counselor in 2005, um, at Monzo elementary school. And that's where I started to garden with kids. Um, yeah, it was just such a powerful thing that there was no intention around the work that I was doing. I just seemed to like stumble into like, these amazing happy accidents and um, it just got better. And I, and I learned to work with intention over time. Um, So that program evolved. So I was just a, you know, a a school counselor building gardens, gardening with kids and families, and um, the school embraced it. And so we started doing some academic integration and growing support for the program across campus. And then we had um, a prince, the principal that hired me and really supported my early work retired, Um, But I was put in a position where I could help put together the hiring committee and the interview questions for the next principal. And so, of course, we loaded it up and were able to bring somebody in, you know, that that really supported and was behind that work that we do. So it just like it just was amplified. But I feel like with each principal that we've hired, we've just the focus of the program um, has become a part of the DNA of that school. Um, and I feel like there's no turning back from that. Yeah. And then um, during that same timeline, um, Professor Sally Marston, um, who's a globally renowned, you know, megafauna in the world of, of yeah. geography and feminist geography, um, had started uh, the school garden program at the university, um, you know, there was I think in I think it was 2009 um she had a graduate student come to her and asked to do an independent study to support a local school garden and then other students caught wind and then it was like three students and six students and then it was like 20 students um I'm making up the numbers the numbers are sure. right yeah. but it just grew so fast that Um, Sally went to her department and said, hey, this is not an independent study, this is a class. And Mm. she had the institutional knowledge and the reputation and like, uh, yeah, like our program rides on the the shoulders of Sally Marston um, 100%. But to be able to have that kind of credibility and go to a department head and create an internship class um, was really, like in that internship class is still the heart of our program today. Um, But that was, you know, she started the university program, part of it. Um, And, you know, I think they started off supporting like three or four school gardens where she taught the class. Um, You know, the class covers everything from like how to grow food to food systems um, to food justice, um, like cultural relevancy. Um, So that's one of the great things about the garden is it's just so dynamic. You can really use the garden to enrich almost any subject you want to talk about Mm -hmm. and so she was doing that through the class um, but there got to a point where um, she felt like she needed support from the tucson unified school district side Mm -hmm. um, that to provide a good experience for the interns that she was training and placing there needed to be some structure from the district to make sure that those interns were having a good internship experience so she provided the scaffolding for the university students but she needed scaffolding from the district and so that's when like we had met and i think that she identified that need um also the program at monzo had kind of grown and and gotten a good reputation in tucson unified so at the same time tucson unified saying hey we want more of this stuff that's happening at monzo across the district sally's saying i've got this class i need more structure from the from the district and they they put together a joint funded position for me um, to kind of be that conduit between both institutions.
0: A recurrent theme here is stability, right? And I've been I've been thinking about it as you say that. I was thinking about it as I was mulling over, you know, planning for all of this and that the notion of stability in such in unstable times, you know, and, and all of the, the challenges that have been onset and even you know of course exacerbated by the pandemic um you know your family might have felt it my family has felt it um but i can't you know sometimes in in my quietest moments i think about other families and especially some of the youngest members of our community you know and we don't have to necessarily rehash those very dark dark times but i'm wondering you know how school garden workshops has navigated the last couple of years and and this notion of stability for these families and for these students you know because Foods, food insecurity was, and it, it continues to be such an enormous obstacle, you know. And, it's, and it feels as though at times it's only getting it proving to be more of a challenge here. In Tucson and the surrounds and, you know, compounded by other setbacks that could have occurred like distance learning and, you know, other hurdles with access to green spaces and gardens and on and on, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering if we can chat a bit about that, you know, what, what on site at the gardens means for the students, what that kind of stability means for the students and the teachers, you know, I imagine that there's a lot of exuberance to all be back together and get their hands in the soil, um, you know, and, and and just like that kind of nourishment, but you know, uh, what does stability look like in that sense and instability, I suppose too.
1: So it's interesting when I first started um, the the school gardens, when they first started to kind of take off at Monzo and people started paying attention to them. um, And I was just the school counselor, just using the gardens therapeutically. um, I remember clearly like governing board members coming to visit the superintendent coming to visit state leadership, coming to visit and, um, people would come and say, like, whoa, this looks, like, really fun for the kids, and it feels like school is summer camp, and I wish, you know, we had more of this, but, like, what, what are these school gardens doing for academic achievement, and Monzo is an underperforming school in math, and what is this doing for math achievement, and I felt, like, I felt so frustrated because I'm just, like, man, you guys are leadership, like, how can you not connect the dots between mental health and academic achievement, like, like you think there's a shortcut like what do you want to take kids out of the garden and and put them in front of a computer to do like test drills like yeah to count rather
0: yeah yeah. is that
1: what you're saying to me and but the thing is following the pandemic nobody makes those comments anymore because Mm. the connection between mental health and wellness and our ability to think critically to be creative to do well in a school setting like everybody knows that connection now and nobody second guesses that now and it took a pandemic that like put everybody's mental health sideways
0: mm-hmm.
1: um for people to really value i think the social and emotional learning piece and the mental health piece and so you had mentioned food access and school gardens definitely have that school act that food access piece but To me, I would say that post pandemic, the significance of our work is probably most heavily linked to the way that school gardens make kids feel and what it what it means to take a kid and connect them to the natural world and to do something that just feels like to your core, a good thing and produces like moments of joy because that's like all of like when the, those dark times that you're talking about when the schools closed and people moved to remote learning and everything was on a computer. I mean, I had a kindergartner that had to do most of their kindergarten learning on on Zoom. And it was right. I, at the first parent teacher conference. I fr- I cried. Mm-hmm. I like sobbed because the teacher, mm-hmm. the teacher was like, hey, we're not seeing a lot of remote work from your kid. <laughs> And I was just like, I started crying. I felt like such mm. a failure because I was oh, like, gosh. this is not, this is not a function of my five-year-old. Like mm. you think that doing all these worksheets and arts and crafts and stuff is like, because my five-year-old doesn't want to like, it's because I have to work full time. And his wife had, my wife has to work full time. Like, like, and it just really hit me. And like, we, I have so much privilege, like we have good technology and, you know, like I, I have a background in K-12 ed. Like i like if anybody should be succeeding under those circumstances, it should have been me and I failed at it. So no, to think about up. the families um, that, that don't have that privilege is just, it just was too much. Um,
0: right.
1: And so, yeah, I think coming out of all of that, like having the ability to connect kids with nature and their food system and with other people in an outdoor safe environment and, to do something that just feels really, really good to your soul, like growing food. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that's where the magic has always been. And it's really nice that now um, it's acknowledged. And there's like such a hunger for that. Like when schools reach out to us and are like, Hey, can you come do a training for us? It's like, everybody wants the social and emotional learning right now Mm -hmm, because everybody mm -hmm. sees in their K-12 kids that the, the pandemic effects are not over, that mental health is still, sideways for a lot of people and in in, at the university i see it in the students that take the workshop class is like like we probably in a class of like 45 students had like 10 people drop because Mm. of mental health stuff yeah like another 10 people that are talking to me like on the side saying hey like things are really 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 hard for me right now like can can you help me like it's yeah it's intense
0: yeah, I mean I I I do think that on so many people's part it's a little bit hasty to to jump to a post, you know, I don't think we're anywhere near a post yet because of all the 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 traumas and the and some of the sadnesses that still need to be dealt with and worked through, right? Um, you know, and also I think that like so many people, especially the the higher-ups that you're talking about maybe at the the state level or or even just um a, a bit below that, you know, they talk about food and social justice as if they're and just as if that, you know, one can be distinguished from the other, Mm -hmm. but, but the way that I see it and the way that I increasingly see it, the more that I'm attuned to it, it's, you know, food is social justice and food as social justice, you know, within the staggering, you know, soaring costs of living, but especially, especially for basic necessities, uh, you know, and compounded by the housing crisis. and, And like I said before, the lack of access to green spaces or thinking about people who might not have access to a community garden plot or, you know, who might not be in the school garden network. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty heart-wrenching. And so that's why I think that the impact of your program is just one of the most vital things going on in Tucson right now, you know, the sanctity of these gardens, but not just, As an activity, but you know, as having that space and that 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 lifetime knowledge of good food and and connection to food and learning about food sovereignty and and the foodways of the Sonoran Desert, it's just probably one of the most critical things happening right now, right? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. How do you envision students? moving forward from this moment? You know, like what, what kinds of, of repair work can the gardens do? If, if that, or maybe that's even too lofty of an ask, but um, you know, are are you noticing different kinds of trends or, or behaviors or interactions with these spaces now that everybody's getting their hands dirty again?
1: Yeah, definitely. In fact, we're doing research on it right now. Um, Sally Marston got an NSF grant hmm. to look at pandemic related trauma from the school closures and then Mm -hmm. the re-entry and um the possible role that school gardens play in buffering some of the the adverse like mental health stuff from the pandemic
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so we're looking at it but yeah i mean yeah we've also done some program evaluation work where Yeah, I think that I feel like we're doing the right work at the right time that um, something else that that just came to mind about the pandemic and the school closures and the lingering effects through Sally's NSF research um, grant, we we did long-term classroom um, observations for an entire school year in two schools that have really developed school garden programs and then two control groups where schools where those kids don't have any school garden access. And we were in there to look at like um, student behaviors and in the garden and like all the school garden and and kids stuff. But one of the biggest takeaways from me doing those student observations is how many pandemic era interventions still dominate the classroom spaces, even though we're back to full in-person learning. So when the schools were closed, there was federal funding that came in um, that allowed the districts and the schools to buy uh, laptops for every compute, for every student and tablets for every student. Wow. And the districts um, like bought big um, like software packages to do like math learning and language arts and science. And um, so the same school closure remote learning interventions are happening in the classrooms every day in every school where it's okay everybody take out your laptops and open up your language arts program and it's kids with headphones on behind screens
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, in person and so (laughs) yeah it's and I can see like they they invested it and the the tools are there and Mm -hmm. like from a teacher standpoint it's you know it's easy to manage a classroom like that and it's easy to put everybody in front of a screen and then pull one or two kids that need interventions to do some interventions while everybody else is like kept busy. Mm. But it just means that the isolation effects and the effects of like extended screen time and effects of like not connecting with other people in the natural world, that even though the kids are back in school buildings, it's just like, the effects of the pandemic are still grinding on, that those kids are still on screens for the majority of the school day, even though they're in person.
0: With all of this, it's hard not to let our minds wander to a vision of our favorite garden or the taste of a vine-ripened tomato or a rainbow of chiles ripening in the Sonoran sun. Gardening, communing with plants, with the outdoor air, and with one another is integral to our spirits. Of course, then, we're wanting to learn more about some of the day-to-day activities and the initiatives of the School Garden Workshop. So let's hear from Carly Pearson, who's the program's K-12 curriculum specialist. Hi, Carly. Can you, hi. hi. can you introduce yourself a bit to our listeners and perhaps share with us a little bit about your trajectory, what brought you to the school garden workshop
2: and you know what your position is all about? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so as you said, I'm the K-12 curriculum specialist. Um, that means that I have the privilege of working with so many different ages of students. Um, From the fourth and fifth graders at Monzo Elementary to the sixth and eighth graders at Mansfield Middle School and then to the high schoolers at Rincon High School. So I get to work with seven classes of students per week and I get to work with seven amazing teachers every week as well, um, teaching about gardening and the ecology of the Sonoran Desert and helping them really be able to see themselves Um, in the Sonoran Desert and know that this is their place. This is their home and where they're from and just learning more about that. Um, I also help head the Green Academy program. Green Academy is a professional development workshop that we hold three times a semester for teachers. And the goal of Green Academy is to get teachers feeling more comfortable and interested and sorry about that <laughs> feeling more comfortable and interested um in the gardens and to give them activities and resources to get their students outside and in the garden whenever possible. Um, we also do every quarter um Tucson Unified School District has Professional Learning Thursdays, which we began um, doing with them this year. We, it's professional, let's see, PLT, Professional Learning Thursdays are a quarterly professional development um, for teachers. And so we started um, hosting professional development workshops with TUSD teachers um, on those days as well. So we have uh, five professional development workshops every semester that we offer to teachers in Tucson. So there's a lot of education that I get to do with teachers and UA students as well with the school garden workshop or school, to garden internship, um, program that we have and also with K-12 students. So there's a lot going on. Wow.
0: Yeah. That, that has a super full plate. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that idea. I you you said it, uh, albeit briefly, but that idea of uh, being placed in or, or understanding their place in the Sonoran Desert. And I think that that's important not just for the students of all these different age ranges, but also for educators and also for college students. You know, um, as a as a university educator, I also often think about. Um you know, students just spending maybe one, two, three, or or four years in Tucson and then leaving and going on somewhere else and maybe not even ever fully experiencing the beauty of this place because I think that that is something that maybe needs to be cultivated a little bit, and even for those of us who've been maybe born and raised here, you know to to appreciate the seasons and the and the smells and 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 of course, the patterns of the monsoon and all of that, I think it's it's something that um. You know, a little bit more attunement and 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 sitting with those those concepts can be so beautiful and also so necessary. And so, you know, um, are those conversations that are ever had at, at, in all of these different spaces?
2: Uh, those are definitely conversations that we have within our team. Um, mm. I feel so grateful to work with a team that I get to work with and, and see every day. And, um, I've learned so much about Tucson and about the Sonoran desert. And I only moved here a few years ago. And oh. so I feel like <laughs> one of the, one of the teachers that I work with at Mansell middle school, I told him that I just moved here last year. And he was like, wow, I thought you were a Tucson native because oh. of all of the information that you have about, Uh, the plants and animals and monsoons. And honestly, it's, it's something that I've been able to learn from my colleagues. And Uh, um, it's something that we really try to emphasize in all of our classes, whether it's the UA class that we do, or the classes that I do with my students um, at the various schools, we want them to know that this is where they are. And it's so important to have a sense of place because that sense of place then informs your sense of self Mm. and knowing who you are because of where you are. Mm. Something that I think humans, it used to be a part of our, our biology, a part of our identity forever. And more recently we've been moving around, as you said, Mm. every few years. And that's something that, we've lost, but being rooted in a place and knowing who you are because of that place is super important for, I think, our psyche and for us to know what it is to be human.
0: I absolutely, I could not agree with you more. It's incredibly poetic how you talk about it. And so for some people who might be tuning in and, and I'm sure there's varying degrees of knowledge about the program the school garden workshop and what you actually do in the schools but I'm curious maybe like for Monzo or maybe a day at Mansfield or you know even at Rincon like what what do some of these activities actually look like what what are the students actually taking part in?
2: Yeah so uh, today this morning at Monzo Elementary as with the fourth graders, and we dove into soils. So Mm. I had sand, silt, and clay in little jars on their tables, and I had them feel the different textures and guess, oh, which one do you think is which? Like, Which feels like the stuff you might see on the beach? What feels like um, the slippery stuff that you might make pottery out of? And so we were able to have a discussion about what these different soils are, and their particle sizes and how that affects, um, moisture retention and nutrient, uh, nutrient retention and what kind of soil we want for our garden. And so we got to explore soils this morning, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. And when I was, you know, sort of
0: envisioning, uh, these various conversations with you and with Moses, you know, I'm thinking about like that, you know, that analogy of like getting your, your fingers in the soil having this conversation about the gardens but like you're actually doing that uh today that's that's so amazing and beautiful um i love that and so do you structure out these uh these events and these workshops uh well in advance or are they uh sort of seasonally inspired or um do you repeat them year by year or what does that all look like like what is the the actual sort of development of the programming look like
2: Yeah, I think learning about soils is super important because it's not really something that most people think about. And yet it's so important for um, us to grow vegetables in the garden, for everything to grow in the desert here. And um, so I think having a background in soils and knowing what's in it and how many things are alive in it, all of the bacteria and other microorganisms, fungi, worms. Um, So I always try to include a soil unit wherever I'm teaching. Um, And then also I think it's important to learn about the plants and animals that we have here in the Sonoran desert. Mm -hmm. And I always try to, I really enjoy, um, I usually try to do one or two classes that incorporate edible foods
0: mm.
2: <laughs> and so um i remember last year i had my students at rincon high school pick the flowers of the palo verde tree that's in the courtyard outside their classroom and i mm. made everybody just try it to taste mm. the sweetness of the nectar um, another time earlier this year actually at mansfeld um we had mr holbrook is the teacher i work with there mm. he's awesome um, he and I brought in all of these different local edible plants like um, nopales and wolfberry wolfberry bush berries mm-hmm. and um, uh, let's see, fruit, nopal fruit, like prickly pear cactus fruit and mm-hmm. all these different um, foods that we could think of, even uh, mesquite flower And we had our students try it and we're like, yeah, there's so much food out there and we just don't know how to eat it or use it. And so getting students comfortable with eating what's around us, what grows here natively um, is a really important part of helping them learn about where they are and um, and how we can use it and how good it is for us.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, that's um, I think that's just another way to to sort of see. Of course it's so sensorial in so many other respects but you know you see the Mm -hmm. desert by what's what's edible and what's not or you know what's what's life-giving life-sustaining and what's not Mm -hmm. um and it it, i I imagine that it changes the way that they move through many of these spaces whether they um, articulate it right now or it's just sort of something that's logged you know Mm -hmm. for their for their future selves um but that's really incredible I'm thinking, too, and this is something that we have been chatting about with Moses, but that how the pandemic, you know, it's something that I think a lot of us really want to perhaps leave firmly in the past. But it's very much, you know, always ongoing with all of the the ripple effects. and the ways, of course, it's amplified students and families and the greater Tucson and beyond communities need and desire for this experiential, you know, this nature-centered learning that you've been talking about. And there's been no shortage of studies already and opinion pieces and the like that are discussing this necessity and dare I also say, you know, the craving for these deeper connections to the earth and its systems. And so, you know, I'm curious if as the days, weeks, months, you know, school years go by, uh, if you can s- perhaps speak a bit to what you've observed with students, you know, uh, during all of these times of great upheaval and dramatic change, like, you know, these these life-changing events and, and the compounding crises that we're all weathering in our own way. You know, uh, if students have shared anything with you or if you think that the ways in which they're interacting with the gardens are changing at all, or if there's anything like that that's noticeable amongst the students.
2: Definitely. Uh, last year, when we started with the fourth graders at Monzo, um, the kids were very rowdy and um, the teachers told me, yeah, that it wasn't this way before COVID, before we had to have the shutdowns. Um, so they're relearning how to be in a classroom setting. They're relearning how to interact with their classmates. And over the course of the year, we definitely saw changes. Um they were able to sit still a little bit better and pay attention better and um at the end of the year they every every spring semester we have a spring ecology art exhibition which um me and uh artists and art teacher maria salis and i host This um, art exhibition and it incorporates all the artwork um, of the students that Maria and I work with and so the fourth graders so many of them came to that art exhibition which was held at the University of Arizona and there were at least a hundred people packed in this room filled with their artwork and the art of other students from other schools as well and there were At least 10 students who got up in front of everybody, and we'd practiced what they wanted to say, how they were going to talk about their art pieces, and they just did a wonderful job. And we were so proud of Mm -hmm. them and what they had accomplished, and how brave they were to be up in front of everybody and talking about what they had created. That's
0: so. Amazing. A nourishment in of itself. Right. And,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, wow. I'm, I'm just blown away by that. So what is on the horizon for the school garden workshop? I mean, at our time of recording right now, it, it really uh, springtime feels palpable. I mean, in, at least in my <laughs> backyard, you know, the hummingbirds are going nuts and there's so much, you know, this, this, beautiful chaos of like the, the this arrival of spring and I know that you know this beautiful weather must just be an absolute delight uh, to, to share with in the, in the gardens with all the students and so you know what does what does springtime look like what what's on deck for the coming months and even beyond um you know I I, I imagine that things might slow down a little bit in the heat of the summer but but what are some things that you have in store with your students
2: yeah. so Maria Salis just began working with students again. So, um, she and I work with the same groups of students. I'm with them year round, and then, I guess, I should say throughout the school year. And then she every semester does about a five week art um ecology art project with them. And so she just began. Um, her ecology art project with the students and they're always very excited to see her because she comes up with the most amazing um, art projects for them and so that is getting started again and we're already looking forward to our spring uh, art exhibition which will be held at, at the UA once more so that's something that we spend the whole semester kind of building towards and mm-hmm. we tell the students all about it and how their art is going to be displayed for everybody to see. And so that's that's always an exciting thing that we work towards in the spring. Um, and we're also getting ready to start planting again in the garden.
0: <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, We still have, I think, a few more weeks of harvests to do, um, but once the freeze, the danger of a freeze is gone, then we can start planting those really lovely um, fruit-bearing veggies like Mm. squash and tomatoes and peppers and just the delicious things that you always look forward to in your garden.
0: Mm. And then those will be harvested at the beginning of next school year, correct? Or
2: Those we're hoping to harvest before the end of the school year.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. that's really exciting. I always think of of planting in late spring for for like a post monsoon harvest, but you know, I I have so much to learn.
2: Well, (laughs) we (laughs) get planting soon, (laughs) because yeah, we do want to have one more harvest before kids go back to school. Because once it's summer, you know, we won't have them in the garden, and we want them to be there. Mm. taste the fruits of their labor, literally. Absolutely,
0: ah, well, it's all so thrilling. It's just such important work. Uh, you know, without, without pressing the, the matter too, too much, do you have sort of a, either a shorter term or even a much longer term vision for the directions of the school garden workshop, I I know you know sometimes that can be a little bit overwhelming, and you want to stay as present as possible, you know, yeah. and, and with the demands of the children right now, rather than just pontificating about you know ten years from now. But you know, where do you see where do you see growth and change happening with all of this?
1: Yeah, um I've been thinking a lot about it. Mm. I my team is unbelievable. Um, and so I feel like I, in a leadership role, I need to figure out a way to keep them. Like, how can I take an entry level position? Cause that's what sucks is like, we have to fundraise for all of our positions. So we fundraise for entry level positions. And like, unless we really get ahead of this, we're just going to be having entry level person after entry level person. So it's like, okay, how do I raise more money? How do I figure out like a career pathway, like within the university system? Like that's oh. a giant, that's a giant pain is like, they don't, they want a program coordinator to always be a program coordinator. I mean, and it's like, no, like I, I will lose my really unbelievable people if I don't figure out a pathway for them to progress. Oh. You know, we. so many of the people that work for us are young people and people that might not, um, be able to take classes, but because they have QTR, I would say like more than half of the people that work with us are like either taking classes or in like graduate programs taking advantage of the QTR. Sure. And so I want to figure out how not to be a stepping stone for those people that like if especially if they're if they love the work and they want to stay, if they want to stay with us, like I I need to figure out a way that like they finish their master's degree and They don't come to me and say like, "Hey, I love the work, but I've got to leave to take this other thing." Retention,
0: yeah, retention. Yeah, totally.
1: So that's that's a big focus for me. Mm. Um, I think continuing to like be better and like get sharper is like another one of those things about like where people put pressure on us to grow. It's just like, man, I want to get better first, and I know I've been doing it for a long time, and I know a lot of people think that we're good at what we do, but I still know we can get better, and. yeah i think continuing to try to better meet the needs of this community here and so we have we've got a big network of gardens like we've got maybe 25 or 30 school gardens that like actively engage in but it's there's a really big spectrum of like somewhere like monzo or tucson high or jb Wright or borton like on the high end of that spectrum where it's like whoa like it's it's in the dna of that place and then we've got other we just built a we built two new gardens to the the prior two weeks and we're building a new garden on friday wow it's just like so how can we how can we close that spectrum a little bit like to bring up you know to uplift the bottom but Mm -hmm. it it sucks because that's like it's hard to raise money around that stuff you know like i feel like Mm -hmm. you get trapped in the like telling donors like hey we've learned how to do this stuff so well we're ready to take it on the road and we feel like Other places around the country can really learn from us. Like that, that raises money. Sure. But like, does it raise money to say like we've been doing it for a long time? But I still think that there's so much we can learn in so many ways that we can maybe even do better programming. And there's even though we've been doing this for a long time, there's still a lot of gaps Mm -hmm. that we need Mm -hmm. to fill. It's like that doesn't raise money. (laughs) (laughs) Like takes like chases donors away. So yeah, Uh that sucks. Frustrating. Yeah. I don't know that's the hard work. Like the, Mm. for me, like the hard work's not building gardens and working with kids in the gardens, like shit, give that to me all day long. It's like, okay, so how do I inspire confidence in a way that people continue to support us or we can grow support so we can do more. Mm.
0: Twenty-five to thirty gardens. I had no idea. I mean, I guess I had some idea, but that is a lot. And another one, so now it's going to be thirty-one or something like that, huh? Yeah,
1: it's actually wow. way, it's actually way more than that. In Tucson Unified, um, we know of upwards of like seventy school gardens. Oh my! But we're just not engaged in the like doing direct service, like. We'll we'll offer consultative or curricular support or they can come, those teachers can come to our trainings. Mm. It's just like that demand. Like I can't put people there and like, we can't go out there. Like that's just beyond what we can do.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, when I'm thinking about like these myriad ways that School garden workshop builds the community. It's it's just you know even when I'm just going over my notes or when I'm I'm reading over what you all put out there and the, and the various annual reports. It's it's just so meaningful. It's so impactful for the educators and for the students to the ways in which this real progress and change is being implemented. You know this tactile, this sensory rich, these memory full lessons that of course they're going to get me for so long, you know, beyond the school year, you know, this way better than I do. It's just so overwhelming to think about, especially as the the mom of a really young one and thinking about, you know, gardening with her and what the future looks like there. It's just, you, you said humbling before, but it really is humbling to to think back on the work that you and your team are doing. It's just so beautiful. And I know I'm not the only one who's grateful for, for the vision and for the hard work. Um, so, you know, I, I, I know, I know you got to get back to your gardens, so we won't take up too much more time here today, but I just really want to thank you. And also I'm curious for for those interested, for our listeners, you know, can you let us know? And we can, of course, link in the notes if there's any ways to uh, contribute to the workshop or, you know, ways that others can be of best support for you all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, our webpage is schooledgardens.arizona.edu. And so there's a contact tab. There's a donate tab. Um, My personal email address is just my first and last name, moses.thompson at gmail.com. So hit me up. Like, yeah, we love, we do. um, We're slowing down a little bit because we're about to go into winter break, but during, um, during the school year on Fridays, we do community work projects every Friday Mm -hmm. at different locations. And that's a, that's a way that volunteers can come in and um, support us. We also do, Uh, monthly school garden tours and so if anybody wants to go and see this stuff happening in person come hit me up we'll do a school garden tour a lot of times we have uh, students uh, lead those tours student docents and so that's a pretty fun experience
0: fantastic Moses thank you so so much perhaps one of the biggest takeaways from this chat with Moses Mm -hmm. and Carly is how the School Garden Workshop nurtures and celebrates the importance of teaching young people, as well as all those connected with the program, just how empowering gardening is. As Carly shared with me, by knowing how to grow your own food, you take your life and your health into your own hands. You can choose what you and your loved ones put into your bodies. We become better caretakers of our community, of the earth. During the pandemic, we saw the fragility of our food systems and gardening is a way to provide stability amidst health crises and climate catastrophe. A recent spotlight by the Pima County Public Library emphasizes how the School Garden Workshop has become a model for hands-on, ecologically-centered education, and it empowers students to see these connections between the myriad systems we navigate as humans. This program uplifts and celebrates student learners as knowledge sharers. I know that as a community, we can continue to nourish and amplify the School Garden Workshop's work.